All right, Andrew is in Winnipeg tonight. Chantel's in Montreal. Bruce is in Ottawa. Let's get right to it. Uh, I guess with first impressions. I mean, what I saw was lively. There was a lot of really good exchanges, whether it was a classic debate or not. I guess you could wonder, but it, it was lively. Andrew? Yeah, first and foremost, lots of people are only just tuning into Canadian politics at this time, and this debate served one of the functions of these things, which is to clarify the differences between the parties on the issues. And there was lots of there, as I say, for the voter who isn't paying close attention, that this was a good introduction to the leaders and their policies. I also think in a three-way race, I think what we're seeing here is a different dynamic than in some of these previous debates. This was not the kind of all-on-one pile-on that some of these debates are, whether the prime minister's in everyone's sights. Some of the sharpest exchanges and the most telling blows were between the different opposition leaders. Yeah, good point. Chantel. Uh, yes, I don't think that uh, this is a debate that made it easy for the voters who are looking for change to decide where that change would come from. Uh, and I think that some of those who have been toying with change might have thought that Stephen Harper came across as a less uh, inviting them to walk away than he has been on other campaign stops. So not a night where the race changed to a two-way campaign in the way that we had in the past. Bruce. Well, I actually thought it was an excellent debate. Uh, I think that it's fashionable to kind of criticize leaders uh, after these things. But in this case, I think all four of them came with things to say, and they mostly said them pretty well. Uh, that having been said, and I, I would add that Paul Wells, I think, did an excellent job yeah. as a moderator. Absolutely. Uh, I think at the end of the night, though, there were probably two rooms of uh, uh, two party rooms that were happy and two that were unsettled. I think Ms. May had obviously a very good night. I think Mr. Trudeau had quite a good night. I think Mr. Mulcair and Mr. Harper will be going back and thinking about whether or not there were any things that they could do differently, especially Mr. Mulcair. And so uh, more work ahead for those two rooms in particular. Well, and Mr. Mulcair has got a big decision to make tomorrow about whether what debates, if any, he's going to take part in. Uh, in, in the future, on the, especially on the English side. Okay, let, let's break this down with, with, with some of the clips. And I, I, I should say, as we get started, we're limited uh, by the amount of time we can use of the actual debate. So keep that in mind. We're going to show you a, a, a number of clips uh, uh, to give us some sense of what's going on. And first of all, is this exchange between Tom Mulcair and Stephen Harper. It's around the economy. And it seemed to yield some pretty significant news. Here it is. For five months in a row, the Canadian economy has shrunk. We are one month away from a technical definition of recession, but according to a lot of observers, we're already in a recession. Mr. Mulcair, I'm, not, I'm not denying that. What I am saying is that that contraction okay, is exclusively, that we're in a That's good. Or almost exclusively in the energy sector. Stephen Harper is the only prime minister in Canadian history who, when asked about the recession during his mandate gets to say which one all right so uh, that you know, there were a lot of clips tonight but that might have been the major news clip bruce well, it was certainly one of the more important moments, and I think the economy is obviously going to be one of the central issues for people. I think it, it really underscored for me the fact that this isn't the economy that Stephen Harper expected to be running on. He's talking about his credentials, and he thinks they're pretty good, and to some people's eyes, they will be pretty good. But I actually thought that uh, Mr. Trudeau said something really quite telling in his closing remark where he said, Mr. Harper's message ultimately sounds like it doesn't get any better than this. And that's where I think Mr. Harper really has to think hard about whether he needs a stronger pitch to voters. 
All right. Um, you know, Andrew mentioned a moment ago that this debate was different, uh, as a lot about this campaign is different than the past ones we, we've seen, is that it wasn't just an all pile on, on one person, as is traditionally the case, everybody piles on the Prime Minister of the day. Um, now, there were those kind of moments as well, and here's one of them. Uh, let's watch this. We are the first government in history to reduce greenhouse gas emissions while also growing our economy. That's not and true. And how Mr. Harper, the alternative nobody by all of these you. other parties. Mr. Harper. Harper thought that by gutting our environmental laws, somehow he could get our energy resources to market better. How's that working out, Mr. Harper? So when you have this kind of pile on, on the leader, and, you know, and, and Stephen Harper's kind of welcomed this in past debates, and you're wondering tonight whether that's damaging or not damaging to him when that does happen. Chantal? On this issue, uh, it was always damaging on the environment, uh, but it's more damaging this time because there is a clear link that has been, I would argue, successfully established by uh, the major opposition parties in particular uh, between his environment stance, passive environment stance, and his lack of success on the energy front and the pipeline front. And I think on that basis, it was probably a more damaging section of the evening than usual. Plus, uh, he did get cornered on the, you know, the rhetoric on the carbon tax that the Conservatives have used and overused for the past five years uh, when Paul Wells put to him that some provinces, and he named them, uh, actually have carbon taxes. And living in one of them, the, the sun still rises every morning. Okay. One of the, in the second hour of the... Uh of the debate. One of the really uh, interesting and engaging moments was the discussion that centered around the Clarity Act. Uh, and it was mainly between uh, Tom Mulcair and, um, and Justin Trudeau. Let's watch that exchange and then talk about it as well. I think Quebecers have firmly rejected that. They've gone through 40 years of, the, of a debate that has done nothing but damage to that province. Indeed. I think Quebecers and, 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 and the irony, the irony of that, so why Mulcair, raise the issue? Paul, why start that, promising Mulcair, that to separatists that, in Quebec? Prime Minister and I agree that yes means yes. That's what he put in his bill. And to say otherwise, as Mr. Trudeau's doing, but while still refusing to give his number, Mr. Mulcair, is a dangerous political Mr. game. Mulcair, you're trying to throw gasoline on a fire that isn't even burning. Mr. Trudeau has lost confidence, and he thinks that it's a winning situation for the Liberals to scratch that old wound. Let That's Mr. what they Mr. want to get Mulcair, back to. You are the one who announced that position number, on separation, on making it What's easier, your and your play to try and stoke up that separatist vote for the NDP by announcing at Saint-Jean-Baptiste six weeks ago that this this is continuing to be your policy is not worthy of a prime minister. All right, Andrew, what did you make of that? Uh, it was clearly, obviously, the Liberals were hoping to set this up. It was supposed to be a discussion about democratic reform, and suddenly we were talking about the, the Clarity Act. Uh, it, I think, did some damage to Mr. Mulcair outside Quebec. Uh, Mr. Mulcair tried to come back with this, what's your number? And we had that strange moment where Justin Trudeau came up with, well, my number is nine, the Supreme Court. It was sort of a weird moment, and yet he managed, I think, to stymie whatever counterattack Mr. Mulcair was trying to offer there. The weirdest part of it was, was in the exchange, coming out of the exchange between, uh, Harper, between Mulcair and Trudeau, Harper was able to play the sort of voice of reason of why are both of you elected to bring this issue up at a time when Quebecers don't want to talk about it. So in a weird way, he was the winner of that exchange. Chantal? 
Uh, I would totally agree with that. It's very rare that Stephen Harper seems to be the Quebec voice uh, uh, of, of common sense, but there was something surrealist uh, to, to watch this on an English language debate, this uh, fiery discussion about a percentage for something that is actually not on the radar. There, is, uh, there are points that uh, Mr. Trudeau probably scores outside Quebec with this. In Quebec, he loses an equal number of points because it's not just uh, the so-called separatist position, 50% plus one. It happens to be the position restated again recently uh, by the entire National Assembly. That includes Quebec Federalists. So will this play? I mean, we're, we're imagining that the recession headline is, is going to play pretty, pretty much in English Canada. Will that exchange play be the big uh, letterhead uh, carrying across papers in, in Quebec tomorrow? I can't predict, but uh, what's the news here? Uh, the NDP agrees with 50% plus one, as, by the way, does Great Britain, would analysts add, or Justin Trudeau agrees with the Clarity Act. There's nothing new in this discussion. It's been ongoing. It's just not terribly topical, but I can't predict what the headlines will I, be. I think it's much more important in Ontario. Ontarians want their Prime Minister to be strong on national unity. This is a weak point for Mr. Mulcair in Ontario. I think it was a good moment for the Liberals in that respect. All right. Let's move it to the Senate. Uh, we always knew that the Senate would be coming up in these debates, as it will throughout the campaign, and probably increasingly so next week when Nigel Wright takes the stand of the Duffy trial. Um, there was this exchange uh, on the Senate. Watch this. I think those Senate vacancies will force most provinces, who, by the way, almost all of them who have opposed Senate elections and Senate reform, to, you know, come clean with that and explain why those senators aren't being elected. I gave them a chance. They won't elect them. Now, Mr. Harper has just said it. His plan on uh, Senate reform is to tell the provinces, stop me before I appoint again. Hmm. Bruce. Well, you know, I thought going into this debate that Justin Trudeau had to do one really important thing. He had to go into the corners and come out with the puck. He had to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with these really strong-willed politicians. And I think he did that a number of times tonight. And that in particular was one. I think his line was kind of blunt and to the point. And I think the prime minister actually would have been better, especially in light of the resumption of the Duffy trial next week, to do something to kind of absorb the blow a little bit more and to almost say to Canadians, look, I've tried to do better with the Senate. Everything that I wanted to do, I haven't been able to do. So while I may not want to apologize for things that I don't feel responsible for, I do accept that things could have gone better on my watch, and I'm going to try to do more in the future. He left a lot of that unsaid, and if people are going to get angry again about the Senate, and they well might, um, he's left himself with, with not much to defend himself in the statements that he made tonight anyway. Andrew? Yeah, I think that was one of the weak moments for the Prime Minister. In general, you know, we, we all talked about how Justin Trudeau had low expectations going in. So did Stephen Harper in a way. Chantel alluded to this earlier, that he's built up such a reputation, and deservedly in many ways, as a sort of an aloof autocrat. He didn't appear that way in this debate. He appeared for the most part quite engaged, quite relaxed, quite approachable. He's good on his feet. That was the exception. That exchange was one of the few times when he looked a bit rattled. You know, one of the Conservative Party spokesmen was saying the other day that if Justin Trudeau turns up with his pants on, he will have <laughs> been above expectations. Um, he seemed to be, and mo most of the traffic you're seeing tonight is that, you know, he got in some good lines. Here's one of them. I, I, I use it to try to, to launch us into what difference, in fact, tonight may make at all for him. He's running third, if you believe the polls. Watch this. 
Mr. Harper has failed our veterans uh, by nickel and diming them, by not giving them the service, the help that they need. And it's something that we should all be ashamed of, that this government that likes to wrap itself in the flag is actually not caring for those people who have fought, injured themselves, and Mr. in many Harper. cases died. Chantel, on Justin Trudeau. We do fail miserably in assessing the, the debates, but I would be really surprised if this debate did not help the Liberals and Justin Trudeau. Simple as that? Yeah. Andrew? Uh, uh, stylistically, I thought he was too hot. I thought he was talking over people too much. People hate that. Uh, I, I, he almost came across as a bit yappy. On the other hand, Tom Mulcair, at least in the first half of the debate, was almost like he was on Valium or something, and that strange smile. I thought he found a better tone towards the end of the debate. I actually thought Mulcair did better in, in Trudeau overall. He did. Mulcair looked in the, at the beginning, in that first 15 to 20 minutes, like the last thing he'd been whispered is, you're the front runner. You know, smile, smile, smile. You can yes. smile. Don't get, don't get suckered into any fights. Yeah. Somewhere between angry Tom and that smiling Tom, as I say, towards the end, I thought he found the better tone. Bruce? Well, I think Justin Trudeau um, has no path to victory that doesn't involve some faltering by Tom Mulcair at this point. Um, and uh, Justin Trudeau needs to help himself as well. In the debate tonight, I think Thomas Mulcair probably didn't knock it out of the park. He looked too emotionally controlled to my eyes, but we'll see what other people think, obviously. Uh, I thought Justin Trudeau did actually not just meet the low expectations, as some have said. I thought he actually was quite a bit better than that. If you hadn't known anything about him and only seen the ads, you would have thought he doesn't know anything about the issues and he won't be able to carry on this conversation. I think he did that and a little bit more tonight. But... Can, can, can I just mm -hmm. add, we don't know how many people focused on this debate. Right. I did uh, mainstreeting with candidates today after we declared Joe Clark the big winner of two debates in a row <laughs> and it had zero impact. So uh, overall, I don't think it changed the, the dynamics. No one excluded himself from the lineup and Ms. May certainly didn't uh, hurt herself tonight. But I'm not sure in the end that it's going to fundamentally inspire decisions uh, in two months. It may rally the partisans, I think, within the parties that did well, the Green Party and the Liberal Party, and who knows with, re with respect to the NDP and the Conservatives. But I think that's probably one of the things that will happen tonight. Andrew? The, the great thing is there will hopefully, at any rate, be more debates, and so we're not having to analyze this like it's the be-all and the end-all. We're, we're two months away from the election. Of course this isn't going to decide it, but it was a good introduction, as I say, to the leaders for, for people who are just tuning into politics now. And, uh, you know, the, having to use the boxing analogy, <laughs> as we oh. often get to, I mean, there, there were none of those knockout punch things Peter, are worthy. I mean, that's Peter, a... Peter, in 2011, that, that exchange over attendance in the House of mm -hmm. Commons between Jack Layton and Michael Ignatieff, yeah. we did not see that immediately no, as a knockout punch, no. but people did. Yeah, the difference there was 11 million people watched that. I mean, who knows how many will watch, uh, would have watched tonight, but the number is likely to be considerably lower than that. And so what becomes really important for the way this debate is viewed is the kind of analysis that is put forward through programs like this, but through the newspaper columns and stories tomorrow, except, that may set a tone as to what... That, go yeah, ahead. Except, except as Chantel says, we usually get it wrong. Uh, <laughs> we place way too much emphasis on the clip and the exchange. I actually, my theory of these things is that the, the impressions are made you know, in ways that people maybe can't articulate, but they come away from it with either a better impression or a worse impression of a given leader. 
uh, that in ways that only show up, uh, you know, some time from now, and probably with with more debates with repeated exposures. All right, don't talk yourselves out of a job, though. <laughs> whatever you do. Listen, that was great, a good uh, analysis for uh, an opening go. And let me underline Bruce's point too. That Paul Wells uh, did a great job uh, tonight. You know, he knew when to not talk, and he knew when to get in, and he did it uh, exceptionally well. So, Andrew in Winnipeg, Chantel uh, in Montreal, Bruce in Ottawa. Thanks to all.